All righty. Uh, so first and foremost, welcome. Uh, this is uh, Janayad Iqbal. Uh, he is the founder of No Degree. Uh, Janayad, thanks, definitely thanks for coming on tonight. I appreciate your time. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your background, where you come from, what you do. So in simple terms, I help people without college degrees find meaningful jobs that pay well. And I started NoDegree.com because college isn't really for everyone. You know, there was a time where it was like you go to college, you get out, no experience, you get a job that pays well. Nowadays, it's just different. It's like so much more expensive. It's so much harder to find a job. You need experience. You need multiple internships, especially for some of these industries. And and the fact is, it's like it's not meant for everybody. Some people just don't learn well that way. Some people do things that don't really require a degree. So it's like I'm all about showing people the different ways, to, the different opportunities that are out there, and then people can choose what's right for them. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, I agree with you. I, I made the conscious decision to go back to school here uh, a couple of years ago, and I'm doing the online bachelor's program. Uh, but you know, I found it to be a roadblock, which is really the only reason I'm doing it. I, I, in four years of taking classes, I've probably only picked up, you know, maybe nine or 10 things that I didn't already know because of just, you know, doing the hustle. Right. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's a challenging space. Yeah, no. And you know, I feel it's unfair, especially with someone with so much experience. It's one thing, I don't know. It's just like, I see so many people who purely go to school just because they have to fit a check mark. And I, I feel it's unfair. It's like why the company should just have a training program or something very specific. Why make you go through four years if you have a lot of experience and, you know, they should just teach you the nine or 10 things. Yeah, no, that, that is huge. And really, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think this is a perfect segue into our, our topic of discussion tonight. Uh, you know, small businesses have these crazy requirements sometimes for, uh, you know, for jobs that really do you do you really need, you know, a, a bachelor's, even a master's degree and five years of experience for entry to mid-level positions? I, I, I find it, you know, most often not. So um, I'd love to kind of dive down the path of what are some of those challenges that, that you see that small businesses struggle with as they go down that hiring path? So one thing I'll say is that it's not a, only a small business issue. I think it's just a company corporate, just a, just a world. It's a, at least a U.S. phenomenon, if not worldwide phenomenon. And some of the challenges that small businesses have is that sometimes they just physically cannot pay or offer the same opportunities that large companies have. And, you know, for example, pay is a big thing. Sometimes they can't offer the benefits that large companies have. They don't have necessarily the same resources that large companies have. But what I tell small businesses is that they can also offer a lot of things that large companies cannot offer. Because the fact is small businesses can sometimes you can you can offer flexibility. That's something for a large corporation. Sometimes they have to go through who like several layers of approval and all that to get that offer. The thing is you can have a closer relationship because at a small business, you are closer to senior management, right? In a large corporation, senior management is like this mythical group that like 
if you get an email from, you're probably in trouble with. So I, I tell people, I tell small businesses, really take advantage of that. You can use that small business, use that nimbleness to your advantage. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that is great advice. Um, you know, and I agree with you. Pay is probably the, the biggest holdback that I've seen working with small businesses uh, with it. They're like, man, we just can't compete because we can't pay you know, we can't pay a project manager 90000 a year to, to project manage for us. You know, their, their budget is usually uh, about half of that. You yeah. know? And, and so, you know, or they're asking for somebody, I find a lot of times they ask, they're asking for somebody that's kind of a jack of all trades. Yeah. And again, you know, that limited budget thing comes into play. They want somebody that can do project management and, and operations and run like six different things. But you know, they, they may not have the, the capital to, to really pay what that position is worth. So, yeah, I mean, and the beauty is if you look at a lot of there's some studies out there that shows that salary is not the most important thing that employees care about. That I, I believe it was something like 65 percent would say that they would take a reduction in salary if it meant having certain things. So I, I tell it's like offer workplace flexibility. I think there are some people who would like it if they could come in later or they could come in earlier, leave early, depending on whether they have kids, whether they're younger. I know I would, I, there was specifically a time I was looking for jobs that allowed you like a flex work schedule. Yeah. You know, cause for me, it's like, I'd love if I, I could come in at noon and leave at 8 PM because it's like when I wake up in the morning, I'm not dealing with the rush, not dealing with traffic. When I leave, there's no traffic. It's, <laughs> you know, there's some benefits to that. And some people really like that. Some people really want that. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think that's important to, to point out that there's, uh, you know, I've done, I've done a lot of research on that from a leadership standpoint, what, yeah. what actually motivates your employees. And, uh, you know, very rarely. And what I find actually most often is that most people by about five years of regular employment have hit a point in their career where salary is very, very small portion of what's actually important to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. So it's like, you know, more things, the, the things that are more important to them are being challenged, uh, being appreciated, uh, you know, showing value to the company, uh, you know, exceeding expectations, things like that. Those are, that's, what's really important to most and people. And appreciation goes such a long way. It's like sometimes even acknowledging what someone does, because there's nothing worse than doing so much work or, you know, trying your best and then just getting shut down. I, I just, I've seen it happen to so many people where they put their heart and soul and effort into it. They get shut down and that's like, they mentally check out. Then they're like, all right, cool. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. I don't mind getting yelled at because I know I, if I put in that effort, it's really, it's really not going to mean anything. So it's like, I think that's one of the worst things you can do is like get someone to mentally check out. Cause then it's like, they, they, they jump ship when something comes, when something better comes their way. Yeah. And the, the comparison of better, is usually not very much better than yeah. where they're at, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Just needs to be a small jump. So, you know, uh, what other challenges do you think small businesses, aside from just the pay, you know, what, what other challenges do you think that they have in, in competing in that, that talent market? I think, honestly, what happens is a lot of owners sort of limit themselves because a lot of business owners, they believe that people are sort of lucky to have jobs. They believe that, oh, that they're 
you know, that they're giving you something so valuable and stuff and that you should sort of kiss their feet and stuff. It's like, I, I think if you change that mentality in that the employee is the one giving you their value and their time, you really look at it different. So I think change, having that mind shift and changing that attitude and how you view really just approaches. Cause now if you're looking to make someone, uh, if you're looking to sort of make it worth someone's time as opposed to the other way. Whereas like you think about you're giving this gift to the employee and they should be so thankful. Whereas switch it around. Think of the employee as a gift to you. Then yeah. it's like, Oh, how can I treat this person? Well, what can I do to make this person help? Whatever. And the other thing I will say is that they're, they kind of think really old school. It's like, they don't really talk to the employee or the potential, you know, employee, Ask them what they care about. It just goes so far because sometimes a lot of times you can offer them the things they care about. Sometimes they may say, hey, I just need to pick up my kids from school every day. It's like, cool, let them do that. Or, hey, I need I want the option to work from home. Do that or tell or if they sometimes they say, hey, look, I really want to grow. I really want to grow with the company. OK, let them do that. I really want to learn these things. So kind of talk to them because everybody wants something different. Because in large corporations, they kind of have blanket programs that take these this group of people and they say, "Here, here's what we have for you." But a small business, you you're flexible. I think that's what they small businesses really need to do. Yeah, no, that's uh, that is fantastic advice as well. Um, you know, it it goes into what really the 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 foundations of true leadership are are all about, which is realizing that uh, as a leader that you are there to support your team and, and build and grow your team. Uh, and when you do that, they grow you as a yeah. leader in, in your organization. So uh, that is a, that is a great mindset shift. Uh, it's definitely something I work with small businesses and even large businesses on, uh, you know, just, you know, that, that focus on people first, human first. Yeah. yeah that mindset just goes so far. It just kind of changes how you view things. It kind of changes how you approach problems. Because the fact is your employees will mess up and they'll make mistakes. If you're a good leader, in one way, they'll be like, wow, like, I, I'm sorry, Adam, I'll fix it next time. They'll kind of really feel bad or they'll make sure it doesn't happen again. The other way is like, okay, cool. Like, um, who cares? Uh, I'll... <laughs> I'll try not to do it again. Yeah. And it, it just changes the attitude and the dynamic. And then they, they actually tell you things because, you know, your employees know so much about your business, right? They mm -hmm. can tell you instead of hiring outside consultants to tell you about your problems, why not have the people who are in your business tell you about your problems? Cause you're paying them anyway. Might as well yeah. get that information out of them. Cause there's so many scenarios where I see people are like, I told my boss about this problem. They never, listen to me, but they hired a $300 an hour consultant and they told them the same thing. And now all of a sudden they're listening to him. It's like, why you have the information right in front of you? Well, you know, part of me wants to say, no, you know, let them, let them sit in mystery because that's yeah. the world I sit in. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, on the same token, right. You know, it, it, it that's exactly right. You know, um, I, I really think you know, business owners need to shift into this mindset that, that growth of their teams is, is truly the most important part of growing their business. And, you know, it, 
we focus so much on numbers in business and, and really what dry, drives and draws numbers out is people. So if we focus on people, the numbers will happen. Yeah. I think another mistake a lot of businesses make is that they expect people to really stay for like five years plus. It's like you don't you shouldn't expect people to stay five years plus. You should make it so they'd want to stay. And again, mm-hmm. that's a big mind shift change because so many people are like, oh, I wouldn't hire someone that hopped jobs or I did this or they didn't have they didn't stay at a company for a long a, a set amount of years. But it's like a lot of people don't stay because they're lied to. They're yeah. told, hey, we have these benefits. We promise a promotion this year. We promise this. And they don't get that. And what option? You're not going to change an organization by yourself that lied to you. Your option yeah. is to leave and sort of get find the next place and hope that that place doesn't sort of lie to you. So I think, you know, just saying it's okay to, you know, leave us within this many years, but, you know, just make sure that you help us along the way that you create processes so that we could transfer it easily to the next person. And, you, and then, you know what, having that, it's like a person doesn't want to leave that freedom, right? They don't want to leave that because it's like, no. if you have something and things are working and everything's all right, you want to, you're not going to leave for another opportunity that you'll be put back in a cage. Yeah, no, it's, it's truly interesting. The expectation that we have for people, you know, as a leader, I've always, I've always built the mindset that I'm going to give people the best chance to succeed while they're with me. Yeah. I know that, I know that, you know, at the end of the day, a certain percentage of people and a higher percentage than I always hope it to be, but it's a reality, uh, want to do far more than, you know, what my potential opportunities may have with that, yeah. you know, so, and so then I'm just the, going to set yeah. them up, you know? Yeah. And then the other thing is, is if you treat people well and they leave the best recommendations you can ever get are your ex-employees. So if your ex-employees are like, wow, why'd you leave? Be like, look, I just had a better opportunity or, you know, it was the next, it made sense, but it was great to work for Adam's company. Yeah. Right. Because what do you see all the time is like, you see these companies, like people put, like people leave Google, Facebook, you know, all these companies all the time. But Mm -hmm. what happens is that people will say, I'm an ex-Google employee or I'm that, or what does that, it shows that the branding of the company, even though that they left the company, that brand still follows them. And if that brand follows them, that's, yeah. that's, you see, that means you see Google, Amazon, Facebook's name more often. Other people want to ask them. And usually they say they'll give an idea of why, but the benefits, they're like, yeah, it's a great environment. It's this and that. And it's like, that goes such a long way that if your internal and your old employees are sort of saying, hey, this is a great place to work at. There's no better thing. And the thing is, they can recommend people to you. It's like that relationship. They're like, hey, if you still maintain a good relationship, so that saves you so much. Your ex-employees are essentially recruiters that you're not paying for because, and that that saves you so much money. Oh, yeah. Uh, Recruiting costs, uh, I mean, you know this, are are high. (laughs) They're high. uh, I I did uh, a study for a company and found out like on average, like their recruiting cost for just somebody to talk on the phones in a call center was like $7,800. Wow. A month? Uh, to Just to hire them on. Just, wow. just to bring them in the door. Wow. When you figured in the cost of recruiters, the, yeah, yeah. the cost of time for interviewing, yeah, yeah, yeah. the benefits, all that stuff that, all that stuff that comes in, it yeah. took 77 days yeah. for them to break even. 
Wow. And and if you've ever worked around call centers, getting people to say stay those first 90 days is it's like... It's tough. Call center is <laughs> so tough because... And I know the metrics of call centers oh, yeah. is like... So it's like you... Yeah, it's like treat your people well so they at least stay. <laughs> or they at least want to stay. They at least want to stay. And be up front. The other thing is be up front. Don't say that your place is a magical place full of unicorns and free candy and... When it's not, because then people leave quicker. If you say, hey, look, this is what the reality is. The reality is that we work from this time to this time. We're looking for this. And be upfront because it's like then when someone does accept the position, they know what they're getting themselves into. If you say, hey, look, you know, due to our size, we need someone who works from, you know, nine to seven. Typically, you know, that's three days a week. The other two, you know, it's like a nine to five. And, you know, just say there's some the downtimes. Is this time. It gets busy during this time. and when people accept it, they're like, okay. But now if you say, hey, you know what? You work nine to five. We don't really get busy or, you know, you say it's busy, but it's not. You want to attract a person that accepts that. So it's like, mm-hmm. just be upfront. I think I see so many times it's like a job description is so inaccurate. It's yeah. I've seen people who work in that department and they're like, we don't need someone with all these descriptions. And that's not really what goes on. You know, yeah. I, like I've seen some job descriptions where it's like we're a high paced environment and it's not high paced. Now, what happens is someone who wants things to keep moving is going to be bored out their mind. Mm-hmm. And then other things is like, you know, you say, hey, you know, you don't leave late. But then every day someone leaves late. Then what happens is like people get, you know, they get they get tricked. Right. What is it? Yeah. Bait and switch or something. I forgot. Sw- switch and bait. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah. yeah. So just be upfront, And that goes a long way in attracting the right people. Yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. Uh, it, it being upfront is super important just for setting clear expectations. And, and when we have clear expectations uh, and consistent clear expectations, especially as companies scale, um, you know, that's that also uh, really plays into the overall culture uh, of yeah. what's actually happening at the company. But you brought up something that's, that's always interesting to me because it is like the bane of, of what I hate about job searching, which is the crazy, crazy, absolutely crazy requirements that they have on these job descriptions. Oh, man. I've seen like PhDs that they want to work for like seventeen fifty an hour. And it's like, <laughs> come on, man. That doesn't even cover their interest under student loans, let alone the cost of living it's it's just out outrageous yeah i mean i i struggle with this because i see a lot of times like you know like i'm sitting here looking at like i have been training managers for for three four hundred seat call centers i've done consulting in in call centers and data processing centers like i'm not looking to like be on the line level anymore and, yeah. and so when i like look at these like director level positions, which is where my experience lines up to. I'm like, man, they want like an MBA and, you know, 20 years of experience and, uh, you know, and, oh yeah, by the way, you know, give us your left arm and, yeah, you know, and then maybe we'll consider you to get through our screening system to, to just have a conversation. It's like, well, you know, I, I've done consulting and talked to all these directors. I'm just as smart, if not smarter yeah. than a lot of them and and have the practical experience that says I can run circles. It's crazy because I can speak in I can speak hours about the MBA. The MBA is the 
best marketed degree. Not the best degree, the best marketed degree. They've somehow convinced all these companies and all these people that you need an MBA. But it's like, how many people with MBAs do you know that actually run their own business? It's uh, like, it's it's a small amount, right? They're very, and even if they do run their own, it's it's a very specific type of consulting firm. Yeah. And I don't know. I honestly think those consulting firms do not add much value. And then you you talk to other people at the NBA. They're like, oh, it's not even the education. It's a network. So it's like you can create a <laughs> network for free. So it's like you're not even hiring someone for their knowledge. You're hiring like it's just so like people know that in MBA is what you learn some SWOT analysis. You take some classes. It's like, do you really need someone who t- I don't know. It's just I can I can rant on about the MBA forever. But it's uh, like, why would you? especially if someone has the specific experience you're looking for, what are they going to learn in an MBA program that they don't know already or that they can't learn on the job? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it goes back to, I think the, uh, the difference between education and application, right? Yeah. So I had, I long ago took a, a basic EMT course, uh, okay. and, uh, the first, thing one of the first things our instructor said in that class and it stuck with me all these years is uh you're gonna learn how to pass the test in here and then i'm gonna teach you what it's actually like (laughs) and it's like it 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 was totally true too right you know so like it's like you know you learn everything in class and and then you go do your ride-along time and you actually realize that you know all that that's the foundation of it all. Yes. Yeah. But, but it's not, but you know, it's not all encompassing. It's, it's, it's not, it's not yeah. even close to all encompassing. You know, when, when you're standing in front of, you know, a, a casualty, a, a, a car accident with four, yeah. four patients and you're, you know, trying to assess and figure out, you know, who's, who's in dire need and, and who needs to be helped first and second and all that crap. And yes, you know, it's like the book doesn't teach you that. The book yes. talks about it, but it doesn't teach you that. Yeah, some things you just have to experience. It's just like, right, especially in a high, like, it doesn't really get more intense than that situation, right? You get to yeah. call someone, you got to react, you got to follow set procedure, you got to make sure that you do it a certain way, you got to make sure that you're working with other people in a certain way, that you're communicating the right way. And this is just a surface level stuff. I'm pretty sure you, you can go more in depth into how it actually works. Oh yeah. I mean, it goes, it goes way deeper than that. I mean, you know, down to making like on the fly decisions about, you know, which patient is, is critical versus not critical versus who we can save, who we can't save, you know, like, and and just how you like approach all of that and, and getting the right people and that and enough people in each, uh, each place to, to handle it. It's, it's super, super intense. And, And so I always laugh because when I go back to business and I go, uh, and, and they go, we're a fast pace, making critical decisions all the time environment. I'm like, yeah, but is anybody going to die? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Business fast pace is, I don't know. It's still slow. So it is slow. It's it like is this, slow. It's like, Hey, we're going to have an eight o'clock next Wednesday. And then we're going to reconvene we're gonna talk to this team and then we're gonna talk to procurement it's like i don't know business they talk about fast pace but i don't know it's not fast pace it's not (laughs) so uh what uh from a small business standpoint what kind of fluff should they should they look at avoiding 
when they're putting out those job descriptions, those, those, uh, you know, those requisitions for. So what I tell, so try to think of the few core skills they do need. So you should have a minimum requirement, a sort of what you like, think of like a minimum and a wish list. Like here's the ideal person. Here's the minimum. And here's something in the middle so that you have an idea like a high, medium, low. The other thing is, limit the amount of characters or words you use in your job description. Because when you limit the description, you actually focus on what it actually is, right? It's so easy to write pages and pages. But when you limit it down, you limit it down to the core things. The other thing is realize that you don't need the perfect person. If you need a rock star for the position, that means your business is at risk. Because that person mm-hmm. could leave, that person could die. There's so many things, yeah. right? So you don't want that. You want someone who's competent enough with a certain background to be able to work up and do well at that position. Because if they leave, cool, you can reasonably find someone else. If you need a rock star and you know, you're not that rock star, you're in trouble. Because it's just not a sustainable way to run a business. You need to have, you know, things that are repeatable. You need to have processes. You know, obviously, you know, you can get creative and stuff, but you want to have something like that. So, and again, just kind of talk. I think recruiting for small businesses is like the best way is to through your network is to network on a regular basis. I see a lot of small businesses sort of forget about that network on a regular basis so that you have an idea of who you want to hire well before you're hiring because I look, I'm a, I'm a small business. I'm a startup. I already have an idea of who would, who I would hire and for what position and I have several ideas. So that way it's like when you do hire, you can start the conversation. If they're interested, they're interested. If not, you have someone else, but you have an idea yeah. well before. Cause it's like, if you need to be like, if you need, if you need to be, if you need to hire right now and you don't have anybody from the talent pool, it's tough. Right? Yeah. You want to be able to kind of have these conversations so that you have an idea of what they care about, what they don't care about, to see who's going to be a good fit well before the position ever opens up. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. We see, I've, I've seen that in corporate America too, right? You know, they they wait until the position is vacated and then they panic for a month and a half yeah. while they you know pass through all the red tape to actually get somebody hired for it. And it's like take just totally the wrong approach to it. Yeah. You know, the thing is, they do it right for CEOs. Yeah. Right? They have these things. They know who's going to be next in line. They have all these things. But I don't know. Everywhere else, they just do it wrong. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, it's crazy. Uh, I, I just, I can't understand why if you, especially like when they give you like a two-week notice, like, yeah, you know, or, or even a month, you know, like I've, I've heard of people giving you know up to a month a month i gave notice. i give like four month notice well you know you're you're the exception yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but that's that's yeah that is not normal you know but you know at least a couple of weeks like i'd be like you double down on the hiring process in that couple of weeks to, to yeah. backfill that like before they even vacated like the best thing i think the best thing you can do in setting somebody up for a new position especially if it's a position that was vacated is uh you know, give them a day or two with the person that was in the position before. Yeah. And that's why you should treat people well, because I've had my old employer ask me certain questions after I left, 
But since they were nice to me, it's like, cool. I like my manager. Cool. I'll, I'll answer the questions and stuff. But yeah. if you're not nice, it's like, oh, I don't work for you anymore. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, here's my consulting rate. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's there. there's something kind of bittersweet about giving the consulting rate back to them. Yeah. yeah I've yeah. never had to do that. Thankfully, you know, I'm, I'm friends with my old manager. That's awesome. It's uh, I still see my old boss and stuff. I still stop by my old office just because it's, I'm actually going to do one of my old uh, manager's resumes. So oh, that's kind cool. of a, yeah, it's just <laughs> one of those things. It's, you never know how things work out and it's all, it's always good, especially if they treated you well, if they looked out for you, why not? I mm-hmm. think too often, I think there's a separation. Some people like that. I don't know. For me, it's like, I, if I spend that much time with someone, I don't know if I'm not their friend, then I don't know something's wrong. I mean, there are some people I spent time with and I was not their friend because I hated them Of course, because they were jerks. But <laughs> other than that, most people I got along with. Of course. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I think that's, I think that's awesome in, in just, you know, the way we approach people and yeah. building relationships is, is so important. Obviously you'd spend a lot of time, uh, on LinkedIn, talking about that, doing that. And, and again, in the recruiting space, I think it's really important as well. Uh, I'd like to kind of shift gears one little thing, one little uh, shift and, and talk about from a job, spe- job seekers perspective. Um, you know, what's, uh, obviously we never want to give up concessions as a job seeker. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when we're looking at jobs that are out there and the small businesses that are hiring, um, you know, what, uh, what should we expect for, uh, as a job seeker and, and what kind of concessions should we consider for entering the small business market as opposed to the corporate world? I think so. The thing about small businesses is it, it can go either way. So sometimes you either get an amazing environment or you get a terrible environment. I feel like corporate America, you know what to expect, but small businesses can go either way because sometimes you get these dictator environments and sometimes you get Mm -hmm. this wonderful environments that they're like wow that they really care about their employees they really have a different mindset they have a wonderful mindset so i think that what people should really expect is that you're not you're gonna get some some limited resources you're gonna get probably lower pay but the beauty is that is if you are like working on different things if you're a jack of all trades, you're so much better for these small businesses. The other thing is you can grow with these businesses that you can help them grow. And that experience is really helpful for your future career. Or if you were ever to run your own small business, that that happens a lot. So that experience really is important. The other thing is, is that you can be the driver in a lot of decisions in that. And the decisions are typically faster because in large companies, you go through procurement. I remember there was some software that we were in talks of acquiring when I started at the company. And this was when I started in that position because I moved around in the co- within the company. And that was, let's say, 2015. And then, let me see, or was it 2014? No, it was 2014. Sorry. So it's being implemented now. <laughs> right? And this is like six years later. <laughs> so it's crazy. like they take... Or maybe it's been implemented like a year ago, something like that. But it's like they take so long. Whereas a small business, it's like, look, hey, here's a software that could be uh, implemented. Another thing is it's like it really depends on the owner. So get a feel for the owner because the owner has so much power and sets the tone for everything. So 
kind of get an idea of the owner, ask people around. So that's what I would expect for a small business. Sometimes I think you also have to put in more hours typically, but again, you really, I think it's best to just do your research, ask the owner, be upfront, ask other people in the area who know what they're about, know what's common in the industry. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, those are all great tips. Uh, you know, I always laugh cause I always, one of the places I always look is I always look on Glassdoor for yeah. reviews and small for, business is much harder to find those reviews. I know it is, but, uh, when you find them, they're, they're either raving fantastic yeah. or they're just absolutely terrible. There, yeah, I yeah. found there's no middle ground with that. Yeah. Especially for small businesses. Yeah. I mean that, I mean, it makes sense because a lot of review sites is like you get people who are fans or people who had terrible experiences. If you're in the middle, you're like, eh, yeah, it's not worth putting a review. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I definitely appreciate your time. Uh, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about where, what you're working on, where we can find you and, uh, and all the places we can catch you. Okay. So, I mean, LinkedIn is the easiest way. Just let me know that you, so let me know which specific podcast you, you listen because i've been on so many podcasts that people who are like hey i listen to a podcast of yours or it's like what you listen to mine did you listen to some someone else's and who was that someone else i've done so many different topics so just say hey i listened to you on adam's podcast uh you know janiad j-o-n-a-e-d uh last name i-q-b-a-l i'm the only person with that name on linkedin for now i don't know maybe the next one if i have a son or something i'll <laughs> name the same thing uh you can find me on nodegree.com. That's the website. I have a lot of career resources on that. The podcast is the No Degree Podcast on nodegree.fm. And really, it's like those are sort of the best ways to sort of utilize me. And, you know, send me a message on LinkedIn. It's like I, I love, you know, following up and having conversations with people. I've answered a lot of questions for people. It's, it's something I really enjoy. And I think right now, I'm developing more episodes on my podcast. That's really something I want to do. Uh, I, I'd love to get you on. We got to coordinate that. I've just been so busy just trying to juggle everything. I've been doing a lot of resumes and interview prep for people. So I'm happy that people have been getting jobs. So that's like the, yeah. that's how you know that you're, what you're doing is working. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree. But you know, you, you just, you need to stop spinning your car around on the highway yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and finding cars on fire and then you yeah, have yeah, more yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know today, I had a hectic day. My car spun out 360 on a highway. Thankfully no one was hurt. Uh, everything was fine. I just got lucky, but I'm changing my tires and I saw a car on fire today. So I had to call 911. So just a hectic day, but you know, it's, it's ending now. So thankfully <laughs> it's cooling off. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, glad to have you on. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, to what comes next for you. So cool. Uh, we'll stay in it. touch. All right. Thanks.